Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right. So who's ready to move on from winter? I have my hand up. I think there's a couple hands in the studio that went up. Um, You know, I, I am probably one of the most avid ice fishermen in North America. I was part of the original power sticks for the ice team, part of the revolution when myself and Dave Gens and Greg Claggio and Doug Stange changed the face of ice fishing 40 years ago. Maybe it was more than that. I'm getting old. But I've really moved on. I'm ready for open water. Now, don't get me wrong. There is some really great ice fishing going on up in the mountains, and even on the front range a little bit, if, but you have to be so cautious. Uh, so there's some great opportunities. But we got that warm spell in January, and I thought, you know what? I am just going to start getting my stuff ready. In fact, if you've been following my Facebook page, I have posted... Uh, in fact, you should follow the Facebook page. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. And if you scroll back uh, the last few weeks, you're going to see four or five articles that I are columns that I wrote for the Denver Post that are all about getting ready for open water. There's Ronnie Castiglione and I talking about uh, picking out a set of rods and lures that can get you started in Colorado and what some of the basics and some of the things that are always in our tackle box. Then I did one with John Prockno from Pure Fishing about soft baits and all the different reasons. What what causes fish to bite? What causes them to hang on to a lure? What, type, what should you look for? And we did a whole uh, segment on that and an article on that. Uh, I, did, I did another one on... Uh, Picking out topwater lures. So, and we're going to do one on fishing line, and we're going to do one on open water trout, which is coming very soon. I actually was going to post that a couple weeks ago, but it's going to talk about the incredible trout fishing that exists in the Front Range as this ice starts to um, recede. I'll probably post that next week. So, so follow Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We're going to get you ready for open water. Now, we're still going to cover ice fishing, hunting, camping, open water on the show. We'll do everything. So don't don't worry about that. And there are great opportunities. But personally, I'm ready to move on. So I'm going to go to the phones right now. And somebody who always brings sunshine to my day because she's so enthusiastic and bubbly. And I know she'll get me in a summer mood. Uh, Michelle Siebert is with us. Now she's from Bar Lake State Park, but she's calling initially this morning on behalf of Pheasants Forever. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? See, I feel better already. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm doing fine. We got lots going on, but it has been like it looked like it was going to be an early spring, and now it's the winter that won't go away. I know. Actually, I'm okay with that. I like the snow. Well, you know what? Um, my Karen, my wife and producer, is wearing a shirt that talks about winter that I won't say on the air. But well, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, let's. But you know what? Though next weekend, uh, there's a lot going on, and I talk about the affinity groups all the time and how important they are to us. And Pheasants Forever in the metro area is going to be having their banquet. But let's talk about, you know, first of all, we've had some incredible pheasant hunting. But before we even get to that, tell us about Pheasants Forever and what do they do for the outdoor community? So Pheasants Forever is dedicated to conservation of pheasants, quail, other wildlife through habitat improvements, public awareness, education, land management policy and programs. 
So, you know, they're a conservation organization that gets people outdoors. I initially got involved with um, Pheasants Forever because I was new to pheasant hunting. I wanted to meet with people that were interested. And, you know, it's always a great learning experience to be a part of such an organization. And it's been a great opportunity for me to learn more about pheasant hunting and just get outside. Well, you know, you, you hit the nail right on the head in one point. If you have an activity that you love in the outdoors or that you want to get into, uh, joining one of the groups like Pheasants Forever, will pr- it'll progress your knowledge and your abilities exponentially because you get to talk to other people. You get magazine information. And then the organization itself takes care of trying to maintain the habitat and the resources. Now, pheasant hunting, we've been very fortunate over the last decade that we've established a pretty good uh, uh carryover population of pheasants that can do the breeding and those carryover ones get pretty smart and they don't they don't get hunted now the hunting success each year kind of comes down to what the weather is like in that hatch for that year because probably 80 90 percent of the birds that are harvested hatch that year but we wouldn't have those hatches if we didn't have the habitat in that carryover population would we we wouldn't. You know, so that's why an organization like Pheasants Forever that helps with habitat projects, you know, um, Pheasants Forever is doing a couple of projects here at Bar Lake. Right behind our dam, um, we have a couple of food plots to attract more dove and pheasants. And then we're doing a pollinator plot right by the Nature Center. So it's just really great to be a part of an organization that, you know, talks about improvement of habitat. Well, and they do, you know, so the money that if you become a member of Pheasants Forever, the money goes to Habitat. I know that some of the money goes supporting local biologists. Is that right? It is, yes. So those experts are, are the ones that we use to help us with those projects. And, you know, a big part of the money is education, too. We offer a lot of different classes, whether we take you on a, a hunt or we have shotgun clinics. So there's a lot of education and outreach that it helps as well. And I believe tremendous youth programs also. Oh, yes. We have a lot of youth programs, and that's what's really going to be fun about the banquet, which is March 9th, and it's going to be at the Double Tree in the Denver Tech Center. And you can get tickets at southmetropf.org. But that night we're going to have a lot of different raffles. There will be some gun raffles. And what I'm super excited, which I can't take this puppy home, but we have a puppy, um, a male puppy, a Labrador puppy that's donated from Bear Point Kennel that's going to be part, one of the raffle items. Wow. You know what? People who walk in and buy a raffle ticket for that puppy are going to melt, aren't they? Oh, he's so cute. If you go to our Facebook page, um, we have him on there. Um, You can go to the Bear Point Kennel Facebook page, but he's on there. We're just going to have, we have a whole kids area. So we really encourage families to bring their kids out. It's really a family event. Um, There's going to be a lot of things going on. It's going to be a great time. And you can get your tickets, like I said, again, on our website at southmetropf.org. Now, as far as that double tree that uh, you talked about in the tech center, I actually stayed there last night. Um, We didn't know what the roads are going to be like this morning. I live in Fort Collins, and up north was supposed to get some snow. I actually stay there. I shouldn't say this, but it's right across the street from the radio station. But it's it's really easy to get to. I mean, it's on Orchard. If you take I-25 and go west on Orchard, it's like the second right. I mean, it is not even a a block and a half off of Orchard on the right-hand side. And it's a very nice hotel with nice ballrooms, and I'm sure they'll take good care of you. So there's no reason not to go because you can't find it or get there. You know, another thing the affinity groups do, Michelle, is 
we're in a very political era right now. No matter what side of the aisle you're on, outdoor people tend to straddle the fence. You've got liberals and conservatives and independents, but they all have some common goals that we need to be taken care of to maintain hunting and, and access and all these things. And the sportsman's voice needs the unification of the affinity groups like Pheasants Forever. That's true. You know, we can be the voice. And, you know, we have our, our mission, and we really want to just take care of the wildlife and the habitat, and, and that's what's important for all of us. Well, and I think uh, you started out by saying you got into pheasant hunting. If you went back 20, 30 years in Colorado, almost all the pheasant hunters in Colorado talked about their trip to the Dakotas and Kansas and Nebraska. And over the last decade, they may still go to some of those places, but they brag a lot about um, the pheasant hunting right here in uh, eastern Colorado. It we've had it goes up and down with the hatch, but we've had some years that rival anywhere. In fact, a couple of years ago, the guys in South Dakota were coming down here. It we really developed a good base to maintain great pheasant and dove and quail hunting in Colorado, and people need to take advantage of that. Let's give people the times and dates and tell them how important this banquet is again. Then I want to talk to you a little bit about Bar Lake. Of course. So it's on March 9th, which is next Saturday. It starts at 5 o'clock. It's at the Doubletree Hotel um, off of Orchard and I-25. You can buy tickets at southmetropf.org. And it's super important to come out and support our mission of conservation and habitat improvement and just have a great time. It's really getting people in the outdoors. You'll meet people that have likes that you do, and you can take advantage of this opportunity and then promote a a great organization. And I want to, before we go to Bar Lake, say, people, if you have been thinking at all about getting into upland game hunting in Colorado, we have these tremendous walk-in access programs on the Eastern Plains, so you don't have to go ask a landowner. You get the, the map from Parks and Wildlife, and there's so much land available that's set aside that you can just go hunt. It's posted. It's on private property, but you don't have to ask. And Pheasants Forever has been a big part of getting some of that land set aside. It's true, and I think what's most important, if you're getting into this and you have no idea, we're here to help you. We're an organization that will take you out on hunts, will help you with shotgun clinics. We want to help um, because we, we are preserving these lands for people to go out and hunt. All right. Before I let you go, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about your home park, yes. Bar Lake. Um, now, you usually don't open till later in the year. I think in April, right, your boat ramp opens? Yeah, April 13th we're going to open up. So yeah. you should be in good shape, I think. I'm not making any promises after the way the weather's been. Am right. I, do I sound bitter? But anyway. No. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, April 14th. But you should have open water fishing I would think fairly soon. What is the status at Bar Lake? So we do. I was just down at the boat ramp um, this morning. So we do have quite a bit of open water down by the boat ramp. So even though the boat ramp's not open, you can fish from shore right from there. So it's really a great time. March is always a great time to come out to Bar Lake and and shore fish. So we have some open water. Now I'm going to share a secret with people. Um, Now first, Bar Lake has a number of species. You have perch, walleye, bass, wiper, catfish, and and some can be caught from shore, some from a boat, some both, Um, but it is stocked with trout, and probably I would think you didn't get the ice fishing pressure you get in a normal year because of the on and off ice. Is that right? Yeah, we probably had a a handful, so we didn't get hardly any ice fishermen this year. But I'll bet the lake was stocked in the fall anticipating ice fishing and spring fishing. Is that right? 
It is true. And it'll be stocked here in, in March, too. Well, let me tell you, this is a secret now. Um, <laughs> it, it, at least it will be it until I say it. No, but no, <laughs> good fishermen know this. But trout, the rainbows especially, are cool water species that spawns in the spring. They get very antsy and very agitated and very start moving as soon as that ice starts to recede. You do not have to wait for the ice to be off the lake to start fishing for trout from shore. In fact, it gets good right away almost. And what happens? Two things come into play here. You've got some warm water warming up, bug life's coming to life, minnows are moving in. So those trout are moving and cruising the shoreline, looking to eat, get ready to spawn. Also, there's a genetic trigger in trout that brings them back to where they were implanted. And I would bet, without giving away any secrets, that the, the stocking truck probably backs down your boat ramp. Is yes. that, is that yep, right? That's true. Yep, they stock down by the boat ramp. And so there's going to be a huge number of both freshly stocked and holdover trout that can get quite large. What's some of the bigger trout you've seen come out of the lake? Um, you know, they've been up to, like, probably 16 inches, probably. Yeah, and so they're probably a yeah. couple-year holdover trout. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to get bigger trout and numbers of trout in that shore area around the boat landing right now while that water is open, and you can fish them in a number of ways. You can go with some power bait. You can throw spinners and spoons. You can throw a night crawler. You can throw, um, I believe minnows are allowed at Bar Lake, right? You can, they are. Just you make could, sure you have your receipt. Right. You could do that. There's so many ways. Whatever you like to fish, whether it's bait or lures, you can do that. And if you use baits like minnows and night crawlers, you're also liable to catch some of the other species in there. And has that played true over the years? Have you seen that kind of fishing at Bar Lake over the years in the spring? Yeah, and that's true. So, And that's one of the advantages of the boat ramp not open till later is it really gives our shore fishermen that chance to fish right there from, from the boat ramp area. So we've always had great success in the spring. I've even cast up on the ice and pulled the lure into the water to quietly let it go in or used a slip bobber right out as far as I could cast. Anyway, I think there's good fishing. I am going to post a Denver Post article on my Facebook page about that probably next week. But, Michelle, it's so important people get out to the Pheasants Forever Banquet. Tell them again how they find the information. So it's next Saturday, March 9th. It starts at 5 o'clock. You can go to our website at southmetropf.org. Come out and support a great organization. Thank you, and uh, hopefully you get a great turnout. Thank you. Michelle Siebert, always a pleasure to have on. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going right to the phones where we're joined by Carrie Tucker, who's a biologist with Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Good morning, Carrie. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great. Tell me it's not winter down at Pueblo. Not yet today. Maybe we'll get it later this afternoon. You guys do typically, you are a little warmer than uh, even the northern front range. You get your share of winter. But because you're a little further south, because of the size of Pueblo Reservoir, it usually stays open. First of all, why don't maybe you tell people where Pueblo Reservoir is located and describe it a little bit? Um, It's located just west of the town of Pueblo, um, about 100 miles south of Denver. Um, Not quite out of uh, the county border 
and it's about a 4,800-acre lake. It is one of the larger lakes in Colorado, and it's one of the premier fisheries. Let's talk about current conditions. I know you want to talk about some special regulations in the walleye spawn, but let's talk current conditions before that. Um, Are Pueblo, if possible, stays open for boating year-round. Is that the case right now? Yes, both the North Marina and the South Marina are open um, for boating. And And as far as I know, there's a little bit of ice on the west end, but not enough to try to walk out on. Okay, so, yeah, and and I, and I... Trust me, I am ready to move on from ice fishing. So that sounds really, really good, really, really good to me. Now you have camping available. Obviously, campgrounds are open year-round down there, right? Yes, both campgrounds are open year-round. And so you have plenty of facilities down there. It's a beautiful, beautiful lake. What What are some of the species that people can catch in Pueblo Reservoir? Well, Pueblo is kind of unique in Colorado. We have um, three species of bass, largemouth, smallmouth, spotted bass, um, wiper, three species of catfish, blue, flathead, and channel, um, crappie, walleye, of course, trout, a little smattering of everything. Now, I know there's some new regulations this year. We'll get into those in just a minute, but let's talk about the walleye spawn. You started the spawning operations already at Pueblo? No, not yet. We start on March 11th. Okay. So, so in about another week, and how will that affect anglers, and what do they need to know? It's definitely going to affect anglers. Um, we have the dam is now closed for fishing 24/7 until we finish our spawning operations, and it's really important that anglers be aware of that and um, really be on the lookout when you're driving around the reservoir because we'll have our nets all over the place, um, and you will only see them by the orange buoys that mark each end of the net. So just for boating safety um, and our safety be aware of that. Well, and, and, and closing, and we want to get off a successful walleye spawn. I'll talk a little bit about the conditions here in the northern part of the Front Range in a minute, but Pueblo is one of our main sources of gathering eggs and milk for spawning walleyes, and the walleye spawn is so important in Colorado because Colorado experiences incredible walleye fishing for the amount of surface water we have and the pressure it gets. And that's And we have very little uh, self-recruitment. Is that true? Yes, um, especially in Pueblo Reservoir due to the winter water storage program. And once the walleye start spawning, uh, they start releasing water out of the reservoir for agricultural needs, which really affects the success of natural reproduction. So we and, really rely on this artificial egg take. And I think up and down the front range, that's pretty much the case. I know horse tooth and Carter have somewhat of self-sustaining populations, but I actually believe they're going to be um, supplementing them with stocking in the near future here just because of conditions and some other things that are going on. Uh, where do What lakes do you guys typically take spawn? What are your primary spawn-taking lakes? Typically, we do a spawn every year at Pueblo Reservoir, Cherry Creek, and Chatfield Reservoirs. And now Pueblo starts next week on the 11th. And that'll go through, well, it could go as long as April 14th. Is that right? Yes. And so they Hopefully have to be. we don't have to go that long. But, yes, we, we, worst case scenario, we will go through the 15th. So they have to be aware of that. And you'll lift the nets as soon mm-hmm. as you get the amount of eggs you need. Do you, are there any, is there any trepidation about the northern lakes still having so much ice on them? Or are you still comfortable you'll be able to gather the eggs from those lakes? 
I'm still hopeful that we'll meet our goal and not have to go too far into April, but it is looking a little um, nerve-wracking with Cherry Creek and Chatfield having as much ice as they have. They were going to start the same day as us, but uh, they're probably going to be delayed as maybe a week. Well, we'll keep people posted on that. There's a few other things going on at Pueblo, too. Let's get back to those. You have a couple other regulations that were just added, I believe, wiper and crappie. Tell us about those. Yeah, so our new crappie regulations, we dropped the bag limit from 20 fish to 10 fish, and we instituted a 10-inch minimum size restriction. And then for wiper, we reduced the bag limit from 20 fish to 5 fish, and you can also only keep one wiper over 21 inches now. Yeah, and I know that we had a reduction in wipers throughout the state because we had trouble getting that we trade out for certain eggs, and the ones we were getting were coming from a warmer climate. They weren't hatching at the right time. So we've kind of seen a reduction, but the stocking has picked up again. We have better sources of wiper eggs, and at selected waters and waters where they are being stocked, we should see a resurgence and start to see some of those big wipers again, I would think, wouldn't you? Definitely. And also our hatchery system has started um, feeding the wiper fry that we get from out of state with brine shrimp for a couple days. So that way when we stock them out, we're giving them a better chance to survive by um, releasing them with a full belly instead of releasing them um, when they're starving. I'll tell you what, anybody who's caught even a 5 to 10 pound wiper will tell you that there's just nothing in fresh water that pulls harder. And it is definitely a bonus fish and a tremendous fish to go after. Now, you mentioned the crappies. As much as I love wipers, crappies are one of the most popular panfish in the United States. And we used to see a lot of cycling of the crappie populations in Colorado, especially Pueblo. Pueblo would have really good crappie populations and then not as good. And some of that was fluctuating water levels. Like you mentioned with the walleyes, the water would get drawn down during the spawn. You guys have had some high water years. Uh, I would think there's probably a very uh, substantial rebound of crappies in the lake. Is that true? Yes. The last three years for crappie fishing at Pueblo has been phenomenal. Um, Like you said, the high water has kept the brush flooded, which allows the crappie and the bass to get off a better spawn. And um, we, I've gotten reports of crappie getting caught up to 17 inches in Pueblo in the last several years. Wow. That's that people, you know, I always hear these people say they caught a 15 inch or a four pound crappie. They didn't, but they were excited. But a 17 inch (laughs) crappie is just huge. I mean, it is just, it's a trophy fish anywhere. And, you know, Pueblo is really a premier, a premier fishery. And there is one thing, you know, balancing the wiper and the crappie, because wipers will tend, there's a lot of shad in Pueblo. So you can, if you keep the balance right, you can maintain that crappie population as long as we have good spawning conditions with high water. And what you said about the bass, I know the smallmouth tend to thrive there. It seems like no matter what goes on and the spots aren't quite as prolific, but they're good there. But the largemouth will really cycle almost like the crappie. And coming off high water years like we've had, it's some of the best largemouth fishing in the state. Yes, it is amazing. Um, We have bass tournaments down there all the time, and I get compliments about the number and sizes of bass that anglers are catching. And don't you think, I'm going to get you into a couple of the other species before I let you go. Um, An underused resource, it gets publicity whenever somebody catches a big one, but the three species of catfish are really an underused resource down there. Definitely. We've um, been able to get blue catfish last year. We restocked them um, and flatheads for the last two years. 
And currently, Pueblo Reservoir holds the record for blue catfish and flathead catfish. And those weren't little fish, were they? <laughs> Definitely not. Um, I, I can't remember off the top of my head the blue catfish, but the flathead catfish was um, 30 pounds. Yeah, that's it's a, just a tremendous, tremendous fishing. And most people are catching them as a bonus fish. The last one I want to ask you about, where I act, actually two, and I know we've got... Um, We've got Jenny from uh, Rifle holding on, and Jenny, I promised you we're going to get you a lot of time. But we do, um, one is one is the trout. Pueblo, people don't understand that they don't catch a lot of trout from the shore at Pueblo Reservoir during the summer when the water's hot. But during the spring, there is a substantial rainbow population, and they do move close to shore in the spring, don't they? Yes, when we do our walleye spawning and we set our nets, um, especially towards the dam and the South Marina area, we regularly catch uh, rainbow trout up to 24 inches, and they look like footballs. They're really beautiful. And it really is a great fishery. And the last thing I want to ask you about is that tremendous tailwater. And the regulations are different, but you, they've put some trout regulations going through town in your tailwater in the Arkansas below Pueblo. But right below the reservoir, I think you can use bait. And I have caught r- trout. I've caught wiper. I've caught smallmouth bass. I've caught walleye. That can be a really prolific fishery all year long right below the reservoir. Definitely. Um, there's... Some phenomenal, phenomenal fish in that section. We sampled it this past fall, and there were some beautiful brown trout up to, I believe, 23 inches and uh, some really beautiful rainbows in there. Well, I want to thank you for joining us. I'm excited about getting down to Pueblo this year. But, folks, if you do go down, remember the dam is off limits completely until either the spawn is finished or until the middle of April, whichever comes first. And that there are some new regulations on crappies and on wipers. So check those regulations before you go out. We always encourage selective harvest. Keeping a few fish is part of the experience. Just make sure we maintain them. Carrie, thank you for joining us. That was all great information. Thank you, Terry. Have a great day. You bet. That's Carrie from Pueblo Reservoir. We're going to take a quick time out, and we're going to take you out to Rifle Gap and some exciting news about Harvey Gap Re- Reservoir on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. And I tell you what, they've been friends of this show for decades. They are one of our longest running partners, and I can't say enough about the guys there. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Rifle Gap, Harvey Gap, and I believe Rifle Falls Park, Jenny Ives. Good morning, Jenny. Good morning. So all three of those, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and I know we're going to talk about some exciting news, but before we get to it, let's talk a little bit about where the park is located and kind of describe it. Yeah, so we are located about 10 miles north of Rifle, which is just off of I-70, about three hours west of Denver. Um, All of our parks are within just a few miles of each other, so they're all easily accessible. And they're, yeah, they're very close together. And is there camping at, uh, which parks have camping? I believe it's, it varies. Yeah, Rifle Falls has uh, 20 sites. We have electric and basic sites. And then Rifle Gap has 80 sites. We have basic, electric, and full hookup sites. And you guys are not part of the new reservation system this year. Is that right? That's correct. Nope, we are not on that yet. We don't have 
really great cell phone service, so it's hard for us to be on that system. But um, right now, we're still on that old system. So you have you have a th- you have a window of up to three days ahead. You can make a reservation under the old system, and up to six months ahead. So from three days after three days, it's first come first serve. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. Okay, just so we know, you know, I think it's going to be a little confusing until we get it straightened out. But, folks, if you go on the websites and the Facebook pages, I think all the parks pretty much address what their individual regulations are. Now, you have the the lakes. What's the current condition? Are they ice fishing on your lakes? They are ice fishing. Um, I think the ice conditions are deteriorating. We had some rain and some warm temperatures over the last few days, but I did see a couple guys out there yesterday. So I'd say there's still about six inches of ice, just uh, to be cautious. It's, it can be pretty variable. Yeah, this is a time of the year when there's ice fishing going on in the higher mountains. Obviously, there's some really good ice conditions, but there's a lot of snow. It's difficult to get around. And on the lower elevations, both here on the Front Range and over on the West Slope, um, if you're not experienced at reading ice, it's very difficult to tell the quality, and even then it can be. So I'm not saying don't go, but just use extreme caution. When do you guys typically see uh, uh, a rifle gap open for boating? Uh, so we will be open April 1st for boating. Um, if the ice conditions do extend that, then we'll be open later. But um, when the ice does come off before April 1st, we do allow those exempt boats, so rafts, kayaks, canoes, they can be out on the water, but the boat ramp does open up April 1st. Now, some exciting news is for the last couple of years, Harvey Gap hasn't been open for boating because of lack of funds for ANS inspection, but that's changing this year, right? It is, yep. With the passage of the Muscle-Free Colorado Act, we're able to open up Harvey Gap again for boating. Um, so that'll be open April 1st, just like Rifle Gap at 8 a.m. So that's very exciting news. And both lakes have some good fishing. We'll get to that. We'll get to that in, in just a minute. What are some of the regulations on both lakes as far as what boats you can run? So Rifle Gap, you can pretty much run anything. It's not a big lake, so we don't look for houseboats or anything, but you can have any kind of um, boat you want. Harvey Gap does have that 20 horsepower restriction, Um, so there's that. And then um, there's also some new no-wake zones at Harvey Gap that I want people to be aware of. Um, We changed up our swimming where people are allowed to swim in the no-wake zone, so just that they can be cautious for those. There there might be people in the water that they're not used to having. Now, on some of the lakes that have horsepower or even... uh only electric restrictions on their boats, they'll allow you to put a big boat on and use either a kicker motor or an electric trolling motor. Is yep. that is that okay on Harvey, too, if you have a big motor but just don't use it? Yeah, absolutely. Unless there's an emergency, we just ask you not to use it. Okay. Well, that's that's very good if there's an emergency. But but just we want to make sure clear. So I could take my – I have a large fishing boat with a 175-horsepower motor on it. I can bring that up there as long as I just run my electrics or a kicker. Yep, that's correct. Okay. Let's talk about the fishing in these two lakes because you have some you have quite a variety of species. Why don't you take us through the two lakes and what typical species are caught? Yeah, so both of them are, are kind of warm water lakes, so we do stock the trout, of course. Um, Rifle Gap, you've got the pike, uh, walleye, perch, uh, the smallmouth bass, bluegill, and there's a uh, brown and rainbow trout in there. Both of them can get pretty large. And then Harvey Gap has some similar species. They have bass, pike. We also stock tiger muskie, perch, the catfish, bluegill, and then the trout. So lots of different species to be caught. And you don't get, I mean, it obviously gets pressure, but it doesn't get the pressure of like a Cherry Creek or a Chatfield. People that come there have quite a bit of success, don't they? They sure do, yep, especially early mornings or late evenings when all the jet skis are off the water. Fishing tends to be a little bit better. And one of the things I think about there, too, is that used to be we used to think about 
um, rifle gap especially is having walleye, but a very small self-sustaining population because you can't stock walleyes on that side of the continental divide because of the river species. But you've overcome that, and you're actually supplementing the walleye population. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. We, uh, through our fish management plan, we were able to stock sterile walleye, and we started that about two years ago. And so we have seen some pretty large walleye coming out. Um, they have to be 18 inches for you to be able to keep them, but uh, we have seen some big ones come out. Generally in the spring, they like to hang out by the dam. And didn't you get some of the pike and bass when they were doing some mitigation and some other lakes and rivers that were put in there? Um, yeah, we we do have the pike and the bass. Um, they don't actively remove them from the lakes, but if they're out there uh, shocking them or doing fish counts, that they do have to pull them out, um, but they are in there. And that's a um, pretty good population. Do you see some big pike at times? We do, yes. Actually, just the last couple of weeks, I've seen some 30-inch-plus pike coming out of the ice, and that's pretty typical. And I know that in the wintertime, Rifle Gap used to be a, a really great perch fishery. Is that holding up? Those tend to cycle sometimes. They do, yep. This year, we saw some very large perch. Um, they were longer than the state record, but they weren't quite big enough. Uh, so that, that was really cool to see. Harvey Gap didn't have quite that luck. We had some very small perch out there, but Rifle Gap had a really good fishing season this year. Well, and I, I would think that as the ice recedes, your trout fishing in early spring will be quite good. Absolutely, yep. And actually, there's an area where the water's coming in that's already opened up a little bit. Uh, there's some good trout fishing there. Yeah, and people don't, I think, you know, we get hung up ice or boat or shore. Shore fishing actually can be more more productive, and especially for trout, because they tend to, you know, want to try to spawn the rainbows do, and they go to that warm water. A lot of times, I was speaking earlier that even when there's ice, almost a cast from shore, I find myself catching a lot of nice trout in a lot of these lakes. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's fun to see people out on the ice and then also people on the shoreline having just as much luck. Now, there's other things to do, and some of it varies depending on the time of the year. You have a great trail system, is that right? We do. Yeah, Rifle Falls has some great trails, um, about five miles of trails. It's a fairly small park, um, but there's also a neat trail that goes up to the fish hatchery for people to check out. Um, so there's a lot of trails up there. There's also some that go up into the BLM area, so lots of area to explore. And you're in a great wildlife area, too. We are, yep. Yeah, um, Rifle Gap borders the West Rifle Creek um, wildlife area, and so there's a ton of trails that go along the hog rack up there, some great hunting opportunities as well. If I'm not mistaken, I don't. there's some ATV trails close to the park too, isn't there? That's correct, yeah. Just to the north of us, actually, out of one of our campgrounds, you have the Cedar Mountain area, and it's some pretty easy ATVing. You get some great views of Mount Sopris and some of the other mountains to the west of us. Um, and it's really pretty in the fall when the scrub oak are changing colors. Well, and the last thing I want to talk to you about, we always talk here, we talk about fishing the two reservoirs, but the um, Rifle Falls, a beautiful place to hike up, and that river at times can actually offer some decent fly fishing too, can't it? It absolutely can. Um, the fish really like where the waterfalls come down and create all the oxygen, so anytime that you go up there, you can just see them hanging out. Um, and, yeah, you get some really nice rainbow trout, some brook trout up in there. Um, so, yeah, I always see people fishing. It's, it's a good opportunity, especially for kids. Well, and describe those falls real quick. If somebody hasn't hiked up there, especially in spring, that's just beautiful. It is, yep. The falls, they're only about 200 yards from the, the parking area, so if you can't hike far, it doesn't mean you have to miss out on that opportunity. There's three different waterfalls that are about 700, uh, 70 feet high, and then there's also some cool caves to check out and some great opportunities. There's a nice little area you can walk behind the falls and take some pictures.
Yeah, it's a really, really unique, pretty area, and it's just just beautiful. And between the two reservoirs and the falls, there's just so much to do. Of course, a lot of the listeners here are hearing us talk about the fishing. And like you said, the ice fishing conditions are probably on and off again right now. We don't know what that status will be. It'll be very weather-dependent. But once again, the boat ramps will open for both lakes now, uh, April 1st? Yep, correct, at 8 a.m. So April 1st, and but I wouldn't wait. I'd get up there and do some... Uh, I would do some some shore fishing up there. People are always saying to me, I don't own a boat. Where can I fish from shore? And the size of those lakes and the type of species that will come close to shore in the spring are going to offer some great shore fishing opportunities. Yep, absolutely. I imagine you'll post the actual opening of the boat ramps on Facebook and your website? Yep, we sure will. All right. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for joining us. It's a, it's a little bit of a drive, but that's one of the reasons that makes it a great place to go to in Colorado. Yep, absolutely. Less crowded for sure. All right. Thank you for joining us. Yep. Nope. You're welcome. That's Jenny from Rifle Gap and Rifle Falls and Harvey Gap now open for boating. How about that? You know, you guys go up there, you're going to have the choice of the two lakes and, you know, I like eight species of fish to catch and just have a great time. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. So sometimes you you really pay attention to me. I mean, for weeks in a row. My neighbor from Hibbing, Minnesota, Robert Zimmerman. Whoever thought he'd be this popular. I think more people know him than know me. Of course, we're talking about Mr. Bob Dylan. We went to the same high school. Now, I'm still a huge Eagles fan, but when you grow up next door to this guy, you got to love his music. Hey, I want to talk to you about a few things. Uh, First of all, I want to talk to you about Facebook. You need to follow Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. The reason why is we really, if we have something special like a, a big national guest coming up or if we do a podcast on the radio show that we think was just really something we want to make sure people, in case the three of you that didn't tune in on Saturday missed it, can pick it up, we'll post that on our Facebook page on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. I also take a lot of my columns from the Denver Post, and I put them up on Facebook in a timely manner to... uh according to what the conditions are. In fact, I've got a couple coming up I'll tell you about in a minute, but if you go to the Facebook page now and you scroll back and just go, I was anticipating open water. If you heard me talking to me before, I've, um, I love ice fishing. I've been an avid ice fisherman for decades. I grew up in the Northwoods ice fishing. I've I learned ice fishing from people like Dave Gens and my time within fishermen and and we just I've just always been into it but I've kind of moved on past it. Now not that there isn't a lot of good ice fishing going on this year, but I'm ready that warm January weather we had had me thinking about getting the boat out or just walking the shore of several lakes. So I'm posting a lot of articles about early spring open water fishing. But I also posted a bunch of articles that I did with other people on getting ready for open water. If you scroll back back on Facebook, you'll see one called Choosing Rods and Baits. It's for getting started fishing in Colorado, but even if you're advanced, it kind of tells you some of the basic rods that we would would start out with and then a handful of lures, whether shore or a boat, that we might make sure are in our tackle box for the entire season and to get us started, not that we limit ourselves to those. Have another one on choosing topwater. Topwater can be an extremely effective and fun way to fish, but you can be overwhelmed by the choices. So we kind of cover that a little bit in another article. Then there's an article on choosing a soft bait where John Prochno, the mad scientist from Berkeley 
uh, joins me, and he talks about uh, the differences in soft baits, where some have taste and some have scent, how some of it permeates the water and, and causes a strike, while others just give taste and cause a fish to hold on to it, and how those things affect the action and colors that are used in a lure. And I wrote an article along with that. So you may want to check that out if you really want to start using more soft baits. And I love fishing soft baits. You can go listen to that. I'm going to do a couple things on our Facebook page coming up on my Denver Post articles. One is going to be um, open water trout in the spring. I meant to post this a week or two ago, but with the cold weather and the ice on and off again, I postponed it. I'm sure we'll be putting that up during the upcoming week. And it talks about kind of what I've been uh, going over in this show that a lot of the, even before the ice is fully out, there's a lot of great open water fishing for trout up and down the front range and not just stalkers. Well, stalkers are going to be available and you're going to be able to catch fish. There are huge trout on the front range of Colorado and, and they're going to be available both to shore anglers before the boat ramps open and then to boat anglers. So I'll be posting that article on the Facebook page here uh, sometime in the upcoming week. I'm also going to do post an article on choosing fishing line. Uh, it, it's, it gets confusing to people out there, and I know that every company comes out with new lines every year because they want to capture they want to capture you, and line is one of the most profitable things in the fishing industry. So what I want to do is kind of explain how I approach it, what some of the things I, I look at for line. And I'll tell you right now, if somebody was a novice angler just starting out and they had to use a fishing line, I would probably tell them to still put monofilament on it. But with the caveat that you have to change that out two, three times a year or you're just headed for trouble. Monofilament's the most forgiving to fish with. As your techniques advance and you don't want to change your line as often, then I would move them into fluorocarbons and super lines. But we need to cover when and how those situations should be addressed. And I'm going to do some uh, extensive podcasts and articles on Facebook about that. Uh, and, and when, you know, I, you know, you don't always need the newest, greatest line, but if there's a certain technique or a certain way of fishing, or you're just going to buy line, how do you make those decisions? So I'm going to really take a lot of time to address those situations. So that's another reason to follow us on our Facebook page, Terry Wisham Outdoors on Facebook. Couple other reasons to follow us is one, every time we add one of our television shows to our YouTube channel, there's over 100 up there now. Uh, the YouTube channel is The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. Every time we add a new, a new uh, video to that channel, Karen posts it on our Facebook page. So you can see the and tells you about it and, and see if it's something you're interested in and go to the channel. We also... Um, we also give a lot of contest information. We haven't run a contest for a while, and I think we'll be getting into some contests very shortly. And almost always when we do contests on this show, we we put answers to trivia on the Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. And if you didn't follow that on Facebook, it gives you a very limited chance to win the trivia. And we give away some substantial gifts, upwards of $100 or more on this show on a regular basis. I'll tell you what, we'll take a time out. When we come back, Nate Zielinski will join us, and we'll get caught up on open water and ice conditions and maybe where you can get out and what you can expect on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.